Um, the title of the sermon is Daughters, Your Faith Has Made You Well. Um, it uh, will be in Mark chapter 5, verses 24 through 34. Uh, before we get into it, I want to pray, but um, let's pray. God, thank you. Woo! You are a redeeming, renewing, restoring God. Um, and as we look ahead to celebrating the resurrection, God, we are reminded of the ways in which you have redeemed humanity. God, as we look into this now, um, I pray, Lord, that you would, um, our hearts would be transformed, our minds renewed by your word and our fellowship in it. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, <clears throat> it's the last Sunday of March. Um, March is National Women's Month. Um, and there um, is not like a special Christian holiday for that, um, which doesn't necessarily need to be one. But as I was kind of processing, like, what's this first sermon for this Easter series, my heart kept going to this intentional way that Jesus has restored women. Um, and so this may feel like a sermon to women, or a, it's not. <laughs> it's about the redeeming power of God. But a, something that we don't always talk about in our culture, and definitely not even in the church, um, and so it's like, let's actually go all the way there. I want you to see this picture because this picture will be familiar to many of us, this story in the beginning. Genesis chapter 3 is where we see this disruption from the good that God designed. God designed everything, declared it was good, made humanity, said it's very good, and took a nap. And then the human got to working, found out it's not a good idea for this human to be alone in this human's work. Let's turn this human into humans. <laughs> they continued working, and then the humans were deceived into sinning against God. You know the story, Genesis chapter 1 through 3, Right? Genesis 3 is where we see this interruption not only between God and humanity in terms of the relationship, right? Sin didn't just, it wasn't just that it entered, or excuse me, welcomed death into the world. It also disrupted the relationship between God and humanity, but also disrupted the relationship between humans. The only two humans were in Unity when they were first made. They were they shared authority. They were equal in the garden in terms of being doing all the work. It was a sharing of authority that existed between man and woman, and sin interrupted that sharing. Why do I know that? Let's go to Genesis chapter 3.16, right? There's no moment before this verse where we see that there's any separation, but this is a consequence of sin given to Eve. God said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy. 
Sorry, pregnant ladies. <laughs> and in pain you will give birth. And this is the part that messes us up. And you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. Now, I'm actually want to, that's the NLT version, which I normally preach out of, but I want to show you the, the new international version too. Um, go to that next slide. Oh, there it is. Perfect. I underlined it. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Let's just be real. We don't exactly know what <laughs> that means. There's like all theologians go back and forth about exactly what those words mean, right? The idea that your desire would be for your husband is like, that's not a bad thing. <laughs> um, but it's also not actually clear in the original text that what they're writing is that you'll desire to control your husband. That's someone interpreting what that means. It's okay for us to hold intention. We don't know exactly what that means. But what we do know, what we do know is that it, that it expresses a longing for something. And that longing is that, that longing and the fact that men will be in authority is a result of sin. That, for some of us, needs to actually sink in for a moment. I'm not trying to rewrite the Bible at all, but if I were to interpret that, if I were interpreting it, I would say it as, women, you will long to have your authority restored. <laughs> and men will rule over you. I'm not saying that's the exact wording, right? None of us know the exact wording. But when, it come, when we boil it all down, the authority that women were created to possess was stripped away as a result of sin. Sad day. And there was now a hierarchy of humanity. I know that many of us have not processed that. But it's imperative that we at least know that that's what this is because that's where we're going. Humanity was designed to share authority equally. Another way in which we know that is at the end in Revelation where the Spirit has been poured out on all people, sons and daughters prophesying. <laughs> That's men and women speaking to creation on behalf of God. Revelation, there is no hierarchy of gender. And what is, and Revelation is a reflection of how it was supposed to be from the beginning, right? So we got to be on the same page about this because what I'm about to talk about requires that we at least hold that thing in tension. I want to tell us a story. Jesus was on the earth doing ministry. And there was a man who was a leader in the synagogue who came to him and was like, yo, my daughter is dying <laughs> and I need you to come with me. Just do your thing, touch her head, whatever you need to do. I want my 12-year-old daughter to live. So I believe you can make that happen and I need you to do it. So 
Mark chapter 24 is where we jump in. Excuse me, chapter 5, verse 24 is where we jump in. Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years. I need you to, like, hold on to that 12 years for me. 12 years with constant bleeding. Hold on to that bleeding, too. I'll talk to him about them in a minute. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors. And over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. I want to pause. In the end of John, he writes, there's no way for us to actually write down everything Jesus did. If we tried to write down everything Jesus did, there would be so many books, it would fill the whole earth. Right? So if that's true, then that means that there's some intentionality behind why these things are in, these stories are in Scripture. And I want to celebrate her forthcoming healing, but I also want to think about this theologically. This is a nerdy sermon. Sorry. <laughs> it's not fun. It's nerdy. That 12, I told you to hold on to it. 12 in Bible language doesn't just mean 12. It means fullness, right? Entirety. This woman was suffering, and the number 12, sure, she may have actually been bleeding for 12 years. Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to take that away. But the theological reason for saying it is because there's a fullness to the way in which she was experiencing this constant bleeding. But the bleeding is also something that's important. This is not just, like, bleeding out of her, her knee. This is... Her period, a menstrual moment for 12 years. There's already discomfort that I do not understand. Thank you, ladies. <laughs> I ain't finna try to get into no scientific moment about what that is. I'll let you tell us <laughs> what that's about. But theologically speaking, during a woman's menstrual cycle, she was separated from the community. She could not go to the to synagogue or to the temple. She had to be separate from the community, could not even touch anybody, let alone her husband. Like there was separation, which basically like meant you got demoted for seven days to beyond just second class citizen. All month, you're a second-class citizen. You're demoted that week to undesirable citizen. We don't actually want you around until that's finished. Finish that up, and then we'll welcome you back in. For 12 years. So if we want to interpret this theologically, this woman was embodying the undesirable citizen in totality, in fullness. She was carrying that in her. 
That is who she represents. And in many ways, theologically speaking, she represents the second-class, undesirable part that all women carry in fullness. And she had tried many ways to get rid of it, and it only made it worse. (laughs) Hold it. Hold it. Because if we just breeze past this as though this is just a physical thing happening, we will miss what's happening. At the beginning, women did not have the second class undesirable trait. They weren't longing, you weren't longing for anything, and there was no hierarchy of gender. You shared authority, and then sin enters in, and then there's a hierarchy, and this woman carrying this with her comes into contact with Jesus. It says, she had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. (laughs) For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. And she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around to the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? Like, <laughs> the disciples said to him, look, this crowd is pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? Okay, wait. So those of us who have watched like The Chosen, like this was actually a hilarious scene. Like, bruh, like, this got to be like 300 people here. Are you asking who touched you? <laughs> But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. The title of the sermon is Daughters, Your Faith Has Made You Well. I want to I regularly celebrate with this woman because of the physical ailment that is no longer with her. And that does spark faith in us for when we have physical ailments that we can look at this woman who suffered. And that's a general thing. Generally speaking, it doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter the affliction. It doesn't matter your gender, your socioeconomic status. None of that matters. You can look at this story and be encouraged that God is a God of healing and it doesn't matter. We can press through a crowd and touch the hem of his garment and come away clean and that will be great. But there's something else happening here that is more than just her healing, God is also speaking to women in general. That's why those little clues like the 12, 
That's why that it's specifically about the bleeding. Mark and Matthew and Luke all record this story. And all three of them are trying to point to the exact same thing. And the thing that they're pointing to is that thing that happened back in the garden that separated you from the authority that God designed for you to have has been also washed away. Sin and every single thing tied to it, we are not bound by. And that is a really hard thing for us. I've been having conversations a lot about reconciliation over the last few weeks. Racial reconciliation is a piece of that, right? Political reconciliation. We have to talk. We got, there's a lot of things as a church that we have to talk about. But the truth is, one of the most challenging things for us to actually put our finger on is the reconciliation of humanity, specifically between women and men. And it's because not one human on this planet has existed without it being there, without that separation. None of Adam and Eve's children were born before that separation was there. We literally do not know another reality than women being second. We don't know anything else. And it is a deception of sin to believe that just because we don't know anything else is the reason it's supposed to be that way. Every single result of sin we are no longer bound by. That is not just my temptation. That's not just my proclivity to gambling or smoking or drinking or pornography or lying or any of those things. Yes, we're not bound by that, but there's some other consequences too that we're not bound by. And if the Son has set us free, then we are truly free. And if that's the case, then we as the church are supposed to actually look like a redeemed, renewed, restored humanity. Factory reset on this whole species. That's what we're supposed to look like. But we don't. Not even as the church. I'm not actually talking about you at your job. I'm sorry. Ladies, I'm just being honest. Our world is marinated in sin, and the same sin and the same separation that made that there, I don't, I, don't, I don't think that the world has anything for it. But we are supposed to. And the truth is, the biggest pains of humanity, Jesus has already provided an answer for, and the church is supposed to live out. But when we don't live it out, then humanity can only default to anger. <laughs> can only default to living out of that pain and striving to make it change because we aren't doing our job. That's why scripture says that creation groans because for, for, for the children of God to be revealed, the groaning of this separation between men and women persists because we will not speak directly to it. There's something that's happened on that day when Jesus resurrected from the dead. And he gave us a foretaste of it when he healed this woman. Daughters. Your faith 
has made you well. Not just in your, in your body, in your soul. And how we as humans share the authority God has given us. Daughters, you have been made well. You might be thinking, okay, this is a woman empowerment sermon. Nope. This is a redemption sermon. This is not, it's not supposed to be anything different. This is how it's supposed to be. This is how we are, as believers, this is how we're supposed to live. We're supposed to show the world. We're actually supposed to show what it looks like for men and women to share authority because that's what we show the world. And then the world doesn't have to result to fire and, <laughs> and angry marches and because there's a solution in the earth already. But when we don't have any other solution presented to us, then the only thing we have really is, let's burn it all down and start over. Just being honest. That is a methodology that will get it done. But there's a peaceful methodology as well that Christ has already afforded us that we have supposed to have been living out since the moment that we gave our life to Christ. Since the beginning of the church, we were supposed to live this out. How do I know that? You can say, how do you know? <laughs> well, <laughs> Jesus is an intentional being. I've pointed this out before, but I love pointing it out. Jesus was walking to Samaria with a bunch of men. A bunch of dudes hanging out with him, and they're walking. He says, I'm hungry. I'm going to kick it by this well while y'all go find something for us to eat. This is in John chapter 4. I'm giving you the chase version. Right? <laughs> he said, go find us something to eat while I kick it by this well. And there's a woman who shows up in the middle of the day by herself who is an outcast in her community. And Jesus sparks up a conversation with her. And he tells her everything about herself, all in her business prophet style. Okay? <laughs> Have you ever been to a charismatic church? <laughs> and then somebody like points you out, you, come on up here. And then they start telling your business in front of everybody. It's like, shh. <laughs> Get out of my journal. No. <laughs> right? Jesus tells her all about her life and then gives her hope and tells her the first to know that he is Messiah and instructs him, instructs her to go tell everybody else. <laughs> the very first person to know that Jesus is Messiah is a woman and, the, and everything that he was doing up until that point, he was saying, keep a secret. Don't tell anybody anything because my time hasn't come. The first individual on this planet to know who he is and what his mission is, is a woman. And he says, you go tell. So the first evangelist on the planet is a woman. That is a gospel in and of itself. That is a gospel to the Jews. 
There's good news for you Jews and you Samaritans that are waiting for this Messiah. The Messiah has come, and guess what? A woman is about to tell you that the Messiah is there. He doesn't stop there. Jesus is intentional. He could have told all of the dudes that were just walking with him. On your way to go getting me my Big Mac, tell the people in the town that Messiah has come. Nope, he waits around for this outcast woman. Elevates her status on purpose. The first person to tell the world that Jesus had resurrected from the dead is a woman. Do you feel like a resurrected Jesus couldn't go find some guy? <laughs> There's men all over the place. There's a list of 12 men that he's been hanging out with. Any one of them he could have appeared to. There's an intentionality happening. Jesus is intentionally restoring the role of women in human authority, it's not on accident. At that point, Jesus was appearing and disappearing <laughs> randomly. And people didn't even recognize him half the time. He made it abundantly clear to this woman and did not tell her, keep it a secret, go tell your brothers There's a prophet that speaks about women prophesying, and they carry that into Acts. And Paul says this, talking about the oneness of us as believers. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, Did you catch that there's a different conjunction there? I want us to actually lean into the fact that there's a different conjunction there. This whole thing is not about, it's, this portion of Scripture isn't talking about those differences not mattering. They do matter. They absolutely matter. It's just to say that there's no separation between these things anymore. There's no hierarchy between these things. Like Jew or Gentile doesn't matter. Like Jew or Gentile, I'm still, my spirit's going to go through everybody. <laughs> Listen, anybody who want it can have it. You want to be saved? Come on over. Doesn't matter at this point. I want to have a relationship with anybody who wants to have a relationship with me. I don't care if you're slave or free. That is socioeconomics in that time period. Basically, I don't care if you, ha if you have a bridge card or American Express, just come in. <laughs> come into the family. Male and female. It's an interesting thing that there's a different conjunction there for me. I think that has to do with this idea that it's been so long that it's just normal for us to see it. Men and women. Boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. and Mrs. And I really, really think 
that the interpreter of this portion of Scripture wanted us to see something in that and. That yes, those differences, they still matter. It was there, they matter. But no longer is that who we are to separate these two. And it will take some effort for us to really look at that separation and denounce that it is a part of the sin we have all been freed from. It will take some effort on our part because it's just so normal. It feels so natural to us. For us men, most of the world, the way in which our world around us has been dealing with this separation is to tell us to just be quiet. (laughs) Don't have the conversation. You don't have anything to say about it, so don't. (laughs) Generations of separation and oppression trying to recalibrate will make that, that, that may feel like the natural go-to, but that's not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is those of us who have social influence use it on behalf of those around us who don't. That is how this works in the kingdom of God. Every single way in which this is, that doesn't make us Jesus. But Jesus demonstrated that for us. When you have power, you use it on behalf of those who do not. It's okay for us to know that. It will require some intentionality on our parts. It may require that when we walk into a business meeting, that when we would naturally speak first, we count to ten silently and just wait. For a second. That's an intentionality. I'm not saying don't talk, but pause. What might the Spirit of God be doing in a sister around you? What ideas might be bursting from that creative mind? Women, it will require some intentionality. Because just like we were taught to talk first, you were taught not to talk. So if we are actually to live in freedom, it isn't grasping at power that is the, the, that's the world's way of doing this. But there is a confidence that is born of the Spirit that says, because of what Christ has done for me, I belong here. Not because of my talents, my skills, and my degrees, because of what Christ has done for me. Daughter, you have been made well by your faith. Because of my belief in, my, in this resurrection of Christ, I belong here, point blank, period. And it will require some intentionality to shed the old pattern of sitting back quietly until some dude invites you to talk. And that's not something that any of us can do for you except the Spirit of God. But if you don't know that that's something that's been given to you, if nobody tells you that that's what this is supposed to be, well, then we won't even step into it. This is 
I know controversial and weird. But the redemption of God, the redeeming work of Jesus wasn't just to buy your ticket into heaven. It was to change the planet. It wasn't just so when you die, you can see him face to face. There's fullness that God promises us right now, period. And we are supposed to actually be a preview of coming attractions to the rest of the world. Look, family, this is what this is going to be. We go back and forth as humans about how is it that we can grasp at power and just sit by passively as men, grasp at power as women, sit by passively as men, and the Spirit of God is like, I already have this for you. Come to me. I got you. I will work this out with you. You do not have to figure this out. None of y'all know how to do this. (laughs) None of you do. You don't. You'll overshoot or not go as hard as you should. Let me help you with it. So this last picture <laughs> is fun. There's a, there's a book that they turned into a woman, or turned into a movie, Woman Thou Art Loosed, <laughs> by, by T.D. Jakes, um, which has nothing to do with what this sermon is. But I, as soon as I saw this picture, I was like, yes! No. <laughs> yes, we're going to be talking about the redemptive work of Christ throughout this series, but we actually needed to start here because the first relationship to be interrupted between humans was between us as women and men. And we have to have an imagination of God's glory and goodness that goes back that far. Because if we have no imagination for God's goodness going back that far, then we, don't, we really won't walk in the redemption that God wants to give us for everything that's in front of us. It goes back that far, family. It really does. And some of us will not see it until Jesus is on the ground again. But for those of us who are willing to embrace the truth that his redeeming work goes back that far, we can live it tonight. (laughs) You can live it tonight. One thing that I've started to do I'm um, real talk. I'm very much still my own self shedding this thing. I don't know. I mean, like I, I'm a part of that too. I've not lived in a world where that's not been there. Very much shedding it. Christine and I were just having a conversation about this a couple of weeks ago, and there was pain in that conversation. There was pain, pain that I my wife has to carry that. Pain that I don't see it in myself all the time. But there's something that I've started doing, and it's just an intentional thing. And it starts small. I'm like intentionally saying girls and boys and women and men. I just want to be intentional in some small way. I mean... As an extrovert who loves to talk in meetings, <laughs> saints, I'm just being real. I'm an extrovert who loves to talk in meetings. 
Proverbs has a lot to say about me because I do love the sound of my own voice. <laughs> I'm just being, I'm confessing to you all so you can pray. Okay? I'm confessing. Okay? Just, just confessing. Intentionally sitting back, even when it feels awkward. As a person who doesn't like awkward silence, I'm just sitting and I'm waiting sometimes. Not just for the introverts in the room, but because there are women in the room with me who the world has told you don't say anything. Or, at the very least, wait until a guy says something first. And you may have never heard that explicitly, but the world has implicitly taught you that. And we all have to, Holy Spirit, give me something small and intentional like Jesus. Jesus was doing big intentional things, but I ain't Jesus. So give me small, (laughs) intentional, small, intentional. Help me to walk toward this full redemption of humanity because I have neighbors who are literally struggling under the weight of this separation. Last little random thing. Um, We're part of a denomination that ordains women, which is exciting. Um, Christina's actually being ordained. (laughs) We'll celebrate that in in a whole later, but it's very exciting. I've been like calling her Reverend Christina Carpenter. Like, <laughs> um, and historically, we're part of a tradition, the, the first tradition to ordain women back in the 1800s. The, the Wesleyan Methodist arms were the first to actually ordain women. And in the last few months, there have literally been churches kicked out of their dom- denominations for having women pastors. Um, But even in this tradition of ordaining women, there's still a weight. Like, yes, we ordain women, but still most of the Wesleyan denomination is mostly men in terms of people who are lead pastors and even the ones who preach on Sunday. And there was something that I've been talking about with other leaders, women leaders in our denomination, talking about the fact that like, we have such a strong desire to not, to, to not appear unholy that a man and a woman can't be in a car together, which there's a practical reason for that. I get it. But ultimately what that means is If we can't figure out how to get another person in the car on this ministry trip, the woman has to stay back. (laughs) Something that I'm learning in this process of having these conversations that even when we're doing things that are good, women are still carrying the weight of it. And that is what I mean by small and intentional. We have to have an imagination for God redeeming all of this. Because if we don't, then our, the fullness that God has promised us, we won't exist in. So I wish I had some like, nice, pretty bow way of t- tying this up. And, like, and this is what we do, family. Look, just pray. <laughs> but I do want to, I'm glad this image has been up there as long as it is. Um, because there's a freedom 
There's a freedom that I want us, not just women in the room, us as believers to exist in. There, and it may be challenging for us men to, to imagine what does that freedom look like for us. But if God is redeeming all things, then there's some way in which this weight impacts us negatively too. And it may require me going to the Spirit of God to say, show me. For me, it's seeing the pain in my wife. And I want freedom for us like this picture looks. Daughters, your faith has made you well. You can go in peace. I want to pray. Father, you are a redeeming God. You do not just redeem in ways that we imagine. You are doing abundantly more than we can ask or think or even begin to imagine. You are restoring a unity that literally humanity does not remember. We can remember a time where the color of skin wasn't a primary difference. Historically, we can read stuff but we cannot, there's nothing to read about this separation and, it's, and the unity that we existed in at one point. We need you, Holy Spirit. You have, been res, you have been restoring the fullness and authority of women since you were here, Jesus, and you're still doing it. Give us grace to live in it. Give us grace to wrestle in it. But ultimately, give us grace to walk in it, God. And where we can't see it clearly, will you open our eyes? Where we can't feel it, God, will you give us a desire? Restore your people. In Jesus' name, amen.